Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Honest True Podcast. Look at me sticking to my word now and coming out with a podcast a week after the last one. I told you I was going to make it a priority and that's what I'm doing. So I thought I would kind of start like a little mini series of podcasts just on like common scenarios or problems that I see as a coach, where I think they stem from, you know, how I would address them and just like general coaching advice. And I'm going to start with probably the most common issue that arises and generally why most people come to me overeating and binging so whether they're overeating or binging has led or is leading to weight gain or not doesn't usually matter people generally freak out when they overeat regardless of their weight and appearance now something that's super important to clarify here overeating and binging are not the same thing and it's actually super important that you're able to clarify the difference you know for reasons I'll explain in just a moment but binging is the complete loss of control around fruit food like you couldn't stop even if you wanted to There's zero awareness in the moment and is generally a lot more frequent and can occur in like episodes. Overeating then is simply just, you know, eating past fullness. You know, there's more awareness and somewhat choice in the matter. It's kind of like, you know, when you get like a 12 inch pizza and there's two slices left, but you're full and they're in front of you and you're kind of just like, oh, I'll just eat them. And you just eat them for the sake of it. Or if you're in company and you just kind of keep nibbling on chips, even though you're full and you know full well that you're full, but you're just eating the chips for the sake of eating the chips. Now, why it's super important to know the difference, binging is a lot more serious and it requires a lot more work to overcome and stems generally a wee bit deeper than just being more mindful or trying to apply like the hunger scale method or things like that. And obviously, you know, the first part of overcoming a problem is to actually know and be aware of what, you know, said problem is. I'm also a big believer in language and how the language you use impacts your thoughts, choices, behaviors, etc. So if you're someone who is just overeating in the evening and you're describing it as binging, it can be very harmful because the problem can seem a lot greater and much harder to work through than it actually is. Something as well I'd like to note is that, you know, you can have episodes where you do binge, but that doesn't mean you have a binge eating disorder, which if you feel like you do have a binge eating disorder, disorder requires help that is actually far beyond my scope of practice and actually just on that note right if you're someone who is in active recovery of any ed okay your pt or your pt with whatever nutrition degree they you know say they have should not be addressing your nutrition and if you are a pt and you're listening to this and you're working with people with eds fucking stop it is harmful as fuck and you are playing with people's lives. I don't care how much people think that they know. It's not in our scope of practice end of to work with people in active recovery of an eating disorder. Now, we can help alongside a working practitioner 100% or we can work with, you know, those who are recovered. Although, you know, people with ED, recovered EDs claim that they, you know, are never truly recovered. But potentially, again, just making sure our scope of practice is maintained. Okay, sorry, that was a bit of a rant. But to get back to the point, (laughs) about 70 to 80% of the girls I work with suffer from disordered eating. And that's not to be mixed with an eating disorder. You can have an episode of binging as part of disordered eating. But if you are someone who feels like you really struggle or if it happens more frequent than not, I would reach out and ask for help. And if anyone isn't sure, do not be afraid to contact me. You know, if I can help, I will be able to put you in the right direction of someone who can. Now, to properly continue, language is super important, regardless of what you're doing, you know, so please be careful of the words that you use to describe yourself, your choices, your behavior, your life, etc. 
Um, if you're saying things out loud or even, you know, repeatedly in your head, no matter how untrue they are, you will start to believe them if you're saying them frequent enough, okay? And I'm talking about language because it comes up later on in the podcast, so I just wanted to talk, touch on it now. There are many reasons... Sorry, there are many reasons people overeat, and I'll discuss through the two most common ones, okay? Firstly, over-restriction. Now, this could look like restricting Monday to Friday and then overdoing it Saturday and Sunday, or it can look like restricting throughout the day and then overeating at night, or it can even just look like going through a restrictive dieting phase for a couple of weeks and then slowly rebounding afterwards. Now, obviously, the solution is a lot more simple said than it is done, you know, you stop restricting. However, for a lot of girls that I work with, there's this huge fear around food. You know, good foods, bad foods, you know, too much food, you know, a lot of fear. It's kind of what we all grew up around, you know, without realizing even just like little comments being made by people growing up, like, Jez, your one has a big appetite, doesn't she? Or, you know, just the fact that you've listened to your parents, your friends, yourself even, you know, constantly passing judgment on other people's bodies. It makes you think that, well, like, you know, if they're judging me or if I'm judging them or if they're judging them, they're going to be judging me. So we end up staying in diet mode our entire lives and couple that with the fact that, you know, the media does play on our insecurities. Stupid things like, you know, dark chocolate causes cancer, you know, being thrown about. Even Slimming World just giving you sins for certain foods while others are perfectly acceptable. There's a lot of conditioned beliefs as to why we're afraid of food and why we're afraid to eat. And if you're restricting, whether it be on food as a whole or just particular food groups or foods, your natural instinct instinct then when you get them is to obviously eat it until you burst. And like if you think there's a certain food you can't have in the house because once you have a bit, you know, you'll want to eat it all. It's literally just because you've demonized that food in your head between, you know, keeping it out of the house and the language that you use to describe how you act and how you feel about said food. If you treat something as a novelty or hype it up, you're always going to view it, you know, as different. You know, there's a reason why people don't overeat on fruit or chicken because, you know, you don't deem them as a novelty. They're just foods to you. You're very neutral. And until you become neutral towards all foods, you'll always have certain foods or food groups that you will overeat. Now, the next thing, you know, is that people just eat too little, sometimes intentional, sometimes not. Sometimes you can either, you know, just get so caught up in the day that you forget to eat. Fair, it happens. But if it's constantly happening, then you either need to evaluate how you manage your time or approach your day because it's probably the reason why you're ravenous in the evening. Not that breakfast is like the key to end all or is super important because you hear people saying that, you know, you need to eat breakfast to start your metabolism. Not true or anything. You're, you're not a lawnmower. But there are people, you know, who are obviously just not hungry in the mornings or just don't like breakfast. But studies do show that those who have a decent breakfast and partake in regular eating patterns have a less likely chance to overeat then in the evening. And again, it sounds so simple when you break it down. Like if you're on slim pickings for the day and you've been using, you know, up energy, working, exercising, running after kids, whatever, your body's going to go, okay, I need energy here. Where's the food at? You know, and if you haven't provided that food, it's obviously going to be hungry. And look, I've had clients turn to me and go, but I've had such a big filling dinner. Like, how am I not satisfied after that? But the thing is, like, you should be having a solid dinner regardless. Like, there's still a whole day before that dinner that you're missing where your body needed energy. And that's what it's trying to make up for after the dinner. And, 
you know, before anyone starts saying, but I eat breakfast and lunch and I'm still hungry in the evenings after dinner. Two slices of toast for breakfast and a bowl of soup for lunch are not substantial meals. <laughs> okay. I'm talking about proper, well-balanced meals here with protein, carbs and fats in the meal. Not slim pickings or snacks. Like there's a reason soup is a starter on a menu and not a main course. Okay. Because it's not a damn fucking meal. You're a grown adult and you should be eating like one the whole way through the day. Now, a common issue here actually just to side track a wee bit. When people do start eating proper feeling, filling meals, you know, I'm afraid I'm eating too much and will I put on weight is kind of the biggest question that I get asked. But let me add it up just for you real quickly. Okay, three solid meals, right? And to be honest, I would probably suggest four, a breakfast, a lunch, a dinner and a kind of pre-bed meal. That would be the way I would always work it if you're someone who struggles with overeating. Now, obviously this can vary on people's schedule. Like some people have their dinner at 8pm. So for theoretical sake, we'll just say food is at 8am, 12pm, 4pm and 8pm, whatever you want to call the meals. You eat 400 calories for meal one, 500 calories for meal two, 600 calories for meal three, 400 calories before bed, okay? 1900 calories. That's under, technically under the recommended daily intake for a woman, okay? Now, let's add up what you're doing, okay? 200 calories for breakfast, two to 300 calories for lunch, 500 calories for dinner, and that's about 1,000 calories, okay? Now, you may think, right, there's no way I eat over 900 calories in sweets or snacks, but let me tell you, this is so easy done, like a quarter of a bag of M&Ms, a quarter, okay, which is like, what, 10 sweets maybe? 250 calories, okay? Couple that with a couple bags of potato, some ice cream, you're already there. And if you're picking at snacks that are 100 to 200 calories each, you have four or five of them, that can end up being 1,000 calories, which is a decent meal and a half. But what happens when you eat snacks versus when you eat a meal, the snacks don't do or won't do a huge amount for energy or for you know helping keeping you full, whereas the meal will. And I see it a lot to where people are so used to picking and they're never quite satisfied or full so that when they actually eat properly and remain consistently full they think that they're eating too much but it's actually just because they're not used to being full and satisfied for the full day because ideally we want to aim to be full all day long with just these kind of like little spikes in hunger so if you can imagine a graph or a scale or whatever kind of like you know those heartbeat monitor things just like these little spikes where hunger increases before mealtime, but you generally kind of float all at the one pace. You don't want these big, massive dips in hunger and then these huge spikes when you're overly full. You don't want to go from one end of the scale to the other straight away. And when trying to lose weight, okay, or even just change your body composition, the goal should always be, okay, how do I do this eating as much food as I possibly can, you know, get away with, not how little can I eat in the day? Yes, you'll obviously drop weight when you eat the bare minimum, but what happens from that is that energy is affected, mood is affected, digestion is affected, recovery is affected, your training performance is affected, sleep is affected, okay? There's a bit of a trend here. But you put yourself in a more vulnerable position to overeat and to get caught up in that binge restrict cycle effect as well. Like there are an array of knock-on effects from, you know, that have major implications to your weight loss journey then from eating too little so yes, you may get to your goal quicker, but the fact that you will feel like shite, potentially rebound and have a array of other potential health side effects means that you're going to find it very hard to stay there. And, you know, this is why people rebound so badly from Slim, Slimming World or Weight Watchers type of diets. Bar the fact that they're a scam and, you know, they're literally just people preying on insecure, desperate people for their money. For the majority of people, they're not sustainable. And the reason being is because a lot of the progress is solely measured on scale weight. And 
reasons why the scale may or may not change or can fluctuate between days. Right, I'm going to go on a list here, but the amount of carbs you had the day before, water retention, more salt on a particular meal, you might have pooed yet, different stages of your menstrual cycle, stress both in your head and on your body have an effect, more fiber the day before, you know, you could have eaten a later meal than normal, how much you sweated the previous day, like these are all things that would affect the scale. But they're all things that have absolutely zero to do with actual fat tissue, which is obviously what you're looking to change. There's a huge difference, okay, and this is what people don't get. There's a huge difference between weight and fat. If you want to lose fat and actually change your body composition and be a healthier person, that's a very different story than just getting the scale weight down. And this is why you should have kind of different means of measuring progress, you know, between weight measurements and photos and at the end of the day, it's super important not to attach your worth to any of the numbers at any point in time, because, you know, it is really important to accept that journeys are never linear. And this is why it's so important to make sure that, you know, you're focused on doing things that make you feel good and that are important to you, not just doing things based off of fear and insecurity. You know, you live a very unhappy yo-yo life if you're doing the latter. And we also have what's called a weight set point in our bodies. And it's, you know, the weight that our bodies kind of want to be at to more so or, you know, more so need to be at in order to function healthily. Now, there's functioning and there's functioning healthily. (laughs) Some people will naturally just be at a heavier weight and store more fat. Some people naturally lower. And these are things that companies, you know, like Slim and World don't tell you. I have two photos, right? of me, one where I have more fat on my body and I'm bigger and one where I'm visibly leaner. And I'm the exact same way in both. And if you don't believe me, right, go to my Instagram because I have done a post on it and you can see the photos for yourself. But like I said, there's a big difference between weight and fatty tissue. And what happens when, you know, when companies prey on your weight and either make you feel like you're failing or if you're not dropping weight or that you're not making progress, you end up partaking in unhealthy behaviors, you know, unsustainable behaviors and sometimes downright fucking stupid behaviors to get the scale weight to drop. And you know, whatever weight you're at when you're respecting your body, moving it, you know, remember humans aren't designed to be sedentary, okay? So whatever weight you're at when you're respecting your body, you're moving it, you're partaking in healthy behaviors, you know, that are in line with your values and your morals, your performance both throughout the day and in the gym or wherever, whatever kind of exercise you do is good. That's the weight that you're meant to be at. Okay, so the second reason then people overeat is to meet unmet needs. And this can look like, you know, soothing emotions, comfort eating, overeating in social settings, a lack of boundaries surrounding food, you know, like kind of people pleasing. Everyone has certain needs, okay? Things that they either need to do or not do, you know, in order to feel whole, feel content, feel fulfilled. And if your life lacks these, or if you have people around you who challenge you or trigger you, you'll find yourself turning to food quite often. And I'll go through a few examples here just to explain, okay? So first one, basic example, I'd say we've all been in the situation, you know, your partner breaks up with you, or you've been ghosted, or just the person that you're seeing is a general fucking dimwit and acts like a cunt. You know, you're sad, you're emotional, you're hurt. You say, fuck it, I'm going to get a pizza and some wine, cheer myself up, or I'm going to go out with the girls, get bananas, fuck them, cunt, you know, whatever your choice to do is. You know, which is perfectly normal, might I add. Okay, go for it, sis. But those feelings of sadness and hurt, they're still going to be there, okay? And it can be very easy to get sucked into this cycle where you're just trying to distract yourself from your feelings and numb yourself. Second example then. And one that recently came up with a client, actually. Her and her husband would always go out. And even though she wouldn't be hungry, she'd order food. 
or he would order a drink and so so she would too like and after speaking and you know she was being really honest and vulnerable we discovered she was just going along with what her husband was doing as a means to feel close you know to feel connected and to try and improve their quality time together because you know between kids jobs life you know they didn't get a lot of it another scenario then again one that's actually arisen with a client she was afraid of being judged when she ate food around others so she would only order a salad when she'd go out for food with her friends or she wouldn't order any food at all you know and the thing is she didn't even fucking like salads right but she wouldn't meet her own hunger needs or her needs of feeling accepted and belonging um, were being shunted too so between the hunger and the loneliness she would then come home overeat in her room on her own later that evening Okay, and there are many scenarios that people go through, each different, but there's always a common theme and that's that some sort of need isn't being met. Now, I'll not go on a rant, right? <laughs> because I can go on how females are pretty much, you know, taught and we grow have grown up in a society where needs are dismissed. So we kind of learn that, you know, we don't really matter and that would be fine, but we'll not speak about that. Um, or even how you've had tra- childhood trauma or, you know, any sort of trauma and it can impact how you vocalize or act on your needs. But these are all things that you kind of need to delve into to help solve your tendency to rely on food. Now, as I previously stated, sometimes it's not just as easy knowing these things or telling yourself something. Sometimes you have to be proactive in changing, you know, because if you've been doing things for a very long period of time, that's going to become your your norm or your default kind of way of doing stuff. And like I said, something could be stemming back all the way to your childhood. And we often think issues, right, that arise now are solely arising from what's going on in front of us. But that's rarely ever the case. Okay, We see things through our own individual lens, depending on what we've been through in life. And we act and think, again, in a way that's been conditioned through the experiences that we've already been through. So she can be deep, right? And if it's deep rooted, it takes a little bit more than just telling, you know, like, or even me telling you stuff through a podcast to help you change. You know, you can know all of the stuff and info in the world, but your ability to apply it and use it, that's a completely different story, right? So things like journaling, I have kind of a whole array of journaling methods that I use with clients, you know, different journaling prompts that we can use depending on the issue. Things like the hunger scale as well, where you learn to pause and measure your hunger throughout meals, learning to pause but even before choosing, making food choices, becoming more self-aware, you know, learning to meet your own needs. Um, fuck, even just figuring out what your needs are, because if I ask someone like, what are your needs in life? They'd be like, what? Or and like even discovering your values and what's important to you. Like I'd ask someone what's important to them and they'd be like, health. And I'm like, <laughs> obviously it's not that important if you're partaking in unhealthy behaviors, you know? So figuring out all of these things will have a huge impact on how you approach food. And like I said, right, okay, before, absolutely zero wrong with using food or having like a fuck at night out. In order to have a healthy relationship with yourself and with food, you will overeat and you will overdo it in life. That's normal, okay? But we need to recognize what serves us and what helps us grow and develop as people and make sure that our coping mechanisms and strategies for, you know, are overall healthy for us and helping us, not hindering us or stunting us or making things worse. Okay, and if anyone listens to this and needs any help or is in a situation or behaves similarly to anything mentioned above, do not be afraid to reach out, you know, whether you're, you're looking for coaching or you just need a support of ear, please just shout. Any questions or if you want to get in contact for coaching, you can get me on Instagram at jadeh underscore pt or you can email me at jadehor at alive.ie. 
And also, if you find this podcast helpful or insightful, I'd really appreciate if you shared it, whether you know, it be a screenshot or the actual share button on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I would appreciate it a lot. And don't forget to tag me too. <laughs> so thanks for listening to this podcast and I hope people enjoyed it and talk soon.